Amazon one stop shop. I want to see it. <laughs> what does that mean, Amazon one stop shop? Like, just I don't know. Buy. Just yelling. I just had just coffee <laughs> this morning, so just. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's you actually start because we're gonna just keep rambling about funny things and not. Oh, we're already in it. Okay, we're, we're in, in it. it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yesterday I had accidental caffeine, which is like. Oh, the sounds best kind. <laughs> sounds fine but like it's not when you because okay to be clear i only drink decaf i have for like probably consistently since like a few months now but i always go on and off but like it's not that i'm not reliant on caffeine i'm reliant on decaf beverages levels, like yeah but like i'm reliant on that level of caffeine just not like regular levels of caffeine but then i like had a uh coffee before i did an ultra working session yesterday and i was like zooming just bzzz, mm. but i got a lot of work done so that was good i feel like i kind of appreciate that that if you really want to get work done every once in a while i can use it as kind of a tool do you know what i mean but then i can't sleep so i don't know if it's worth it yeah, you need to like harness the power in a in a good way there, and it's it's a tricky balance between like I'm buzzing and I'm being productive. So. Yeah, well, I think I think the thing for me too is like um, then if I start doing it often, then you just kind of become accustomed to it, so it really doesn't have the same effect, and then I just end up you know very shaky. Kaylin, I love coffee and i know i know it's such a problem though because that i can only i'm like you and that it affects me severely um i mean i think it affects everyone or more more or less everyone but like some people just don't like physically feel it so much mm -hmm, um, yeah. but yeah for me it just like i can have one in the morning and I, it's like my favorite part of the day probably is just like the feeling of like making the coffee, drinking it, sitting there with it. And then after the little like kick, pick me up kind of that comes along with it is great. But, um, but yeah, like if I go for a coffee in the afternoon with someone else, like I, I have to ask for decaf and I've forgotten yeah. to do that before. And yeah, similar thing happens where I just start like flying and it's not, not super productive. It's kind of just like crazy. I also have like trust issues with baristas. Sometimes I feel like, you know, sometimes it's probably just my mind being ridiculous, but I'll be thinking, mm, I feel more energized than I was. I think they scammed me. I feel like they gave me caffeine. No, but I also enjoy the experience of making coffee. I would love to own a nice coffee maker like you do, but I think, yeah, just on a decaf situation. Um, but I would also just love to learn more about making coffee and becoming really good at it, whether it's like roasting it and, you know, actually, mm -hmm. I don't know being able to make coffee through different methods. I find it very interesting anyway. I really, I, I do as well. Like I think there's a lot of people who are really way more into the experience than I am. Like I, I, I have a nice ish, like, I don't know, more or less entry level espresso machine uh, at home, but it's good enough for like my taste. But yeah, some people go all in on this and actually just like, my favorite thing that I grabbed, which I wish I had in Europe, uh, is this like portable espresso maker called the Nanopresso. Oh. Wait, did you buy it? I did. I bought it. Oh. It's uh, it's so good. It's so cool because basically I, I brought it skiing with us um, oh. when we went on that trip. Um, in fact, I got it specifically for that because I was like, I feel like, you know, you go to an Airbnb, you don't know if they're going to have like good coffee or a good machine. It might just be like drip or you might be screwed and have nothing. And that would be terrible. So yeah. Yeah, I got this thing and it's great. Like you basically like fill it up with uh, 
you know, like espresso grounds, like I pre-grounded and brought it on the trip. And it's just this tiny little package that like all just fits so nicely together. And you actually hand pump it. All you need is boiling water, really. And you hand pump it. And what do you mean it, pump it? You're making pressure in it or something? Yeah, you kind of. So what happens is like you uh, put this little tank on with water and the beans mm-hmm. in the bottom. And then, yeah, you hand pump and it will get up to a certain level of pressure. Oh. And then once it's at that level, which is like 18 PSI, I don't know what the measurement is, but something yeah. like that. And then it starts spitting out coffee at like espresso levels of pressure. So it's actually got like beautiful crema and like the flavor is there and everything. It's like I was blown away. And this thing was like 80 bucks. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I would I would recommend it. Like if you aren't afraid to take like, I don't know, five minutes to make your coffee, then like I would say it's a pretty good starting machine. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I saw another kind of cute on the go like coffee contraption i'll call it the other day too it was called porigami mm-hmm. which is adorable also <laughs> um but it was basically like um you know people who do pour over coffee pour they over, have yeah. Co- yeah but it's kind of it's they, it's called porigami because it's just kind of these little plastic pieces that come apart and you could just put them together in the square and like or like pack it in this little pouch i thought that was cute anyways well my younger brother yeah. is super into coffee and he travels a lot so whenever i see things like this i'm, pro- I'm gonna send him probably along the espresso pod one that that you're talking about as well yeah, I honestly highly recommend it. And I even went to the because it only comes with like it can do a single shot, but I really prefer to have a double shot like to just like mm-hmm. that's the level of of drink I'm looking for, <laughs> you know. And so did so, you buy two or you have to just do it twice? So at first I had to do it twice, but you can actually get this pod or this like adapter that's like a ring that screws on with uh-huh. like a a double adapter anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spent a bit more money on that. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you're like, all, you're all, you're all set for a while. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one more thing on this before, okay. uh, before getting into anything important, um, is like, I was like, okay, great. I got everything I need except like I had to pre grind all the coffee, like for the week. And like mm-hmm. generally it's really good to like grind the beans, like right before you extract them. And yep. so I was looking at these like hand grinders and trying to find one. And yeah, they have some cheap ones, but like they're not so much for espresso, like mm-hmm. fineness uh, of bean. And so you can end up like the ones that I found that are good for that are cost like four or 500 bucks. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. And I was think, just like, like, that's more than I've ever spent on, I don't know, anything coffee related. So. If anyone who's ever very passionate about coffee ever listens to this, they'll hate me. But like, I've definitely ground coffee many times in just a magic bullet because like, that's all I have, you know? Yeah. And I honestly, I think that's fine for like some pour over. Obviously, it's like people will say it's not because <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't give you like the consistency that you need of grind size. And yeah, but it people say that it can make the most difference. I just don't know that I would be able to tell. So I feel like my palate is not so refined. That's fair. There's a, so there's a coffee and tea expo every spring in Toronto and it's super fun. And we're clearly definitely going this year. When is it? I've gone twice. Um, it's, it's, I remember sometimes it's cold out. So I feel like it could be in April maybe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Let's that's all it. I know. It's what it was that's one of those cold. ones that some years it's warm and some years it's cold. So I feel like it's an April May kind of time timing based on Canadian weather. 
All right. Yeah, I feel that sounds accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take your word for it. Great. You know what? Uh, Let's not even look up the date. I'm just going to yeah. book off just May <laughs> and April. <laughs> busy. Yeah, busy. Potential <laughs> expo. <laughs> uh, do you uh, want to get into some updates? I do. Do you want to kick it off? What has your uh, Actually, coffee I'd been rather fueling? continue talking about this <laughs> fake expo. <laughs> no, it's real. It's real. I promise. <laughs> okay, it's super okay, fun. Okay. I just booked it off. So okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's uh, what's been going on in your week since we last chatted? I don't think we've actually chatted this week. Really? Yeah, we haven't really. Uh, yeah. So this week, I got got a few things going on. Actually, it's been pretty okay. good. Yeah. So this was kind of like another week of contracting with my previous employer and that's going smooth and steady. Um, yeah. So that, that's been good. I, I don't really have much to report on that other than just like, it's yeah, pretty, pretty comfortable now with that. Uh, but yeah, I am only on under contract for like one more week basically oh, okay. with them. And so that was starting to stress me out. <laughs> it's been like uh, trying to figure out what I'll do after. And I think I mentioned on the last episode that um, I found or yeah, someone reached out. I was like sharing that I'm doing contracting with like some friends and someone reached out about a physiotherapy website. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to them on Tuesday. We have a meeting scheduled, um, basically like sent over uh, a list of questions that of just like trying to gauge what their goals are and stuff. I was really so actually trying to figure out the best way of doing that and ended up um, I was like, can we book an hour call? But an hour call is a long time with someone that you don't know if you're going to work with or not. And mm-hmm. so we ended up only booking like 15 minutes to to chat about this. But in order to make that remotely valuable i sent over a kind of list of like 15 questions like you know um what are your goals with redoing the site what kind of features do you want what do you have now that you need to have or what don't you like about the existing site those types of questions so that i can really kind of get a feeling of where they're at also included like what's your estimated budget for what you're looking to spend on this just so that we know if we're like aligned on it Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's kind of um uh, that's coming up uh also a mutual connection of ours um that you used to work with camilo uh yeah. reached out uh actually he didn't even he wasn't even reaching out about um like work he, we were just catching up and i just said like hey if you need a contractor like you let me know and he, and it's amazing what just like a simple slack message can mean for like your mm-hmm. uh, upcoming like life when you're a contractor because he was yeah. like actually we do need someone like pretty much asap so uh so that's kind of where i'm at is actually we we ended up having a meeting this week with him and his boss about um potentially bringing me on to help them on a kind of three-month contract uh and so that's um more than likely going through i'll I'll basically find out tomorrow yeah uh honestly i have not been sleeping great because of this whole i feel like it's because of just not knowing what's coming up uh and so that's been just tricky to to wrap my head around this new life of 
you don't know what's next and like it could be nothing or it could be something like if this contract goes through i'm set for three months and like beyond that because it will you know provide like you make more money when you're contracting than like a full-time rate so it it buffers you some time after but if i didn't get that i have not much of a buffer in terms of like uh like i'll be fine i'll have to go and hunt for some more work but it's like a wildly different feeling so it it can be stressful for trying to trying to figure out i don't know how to tell my brain to like hey it'll be okay uh, yeah, you can well, sleep it's, now <laughs> it's hard like i know these are th- some things that you thought about before you got into it but i think that actually being in it obviously provides such a a different feeling right because i don't know you're you're really living the fears now whereas before you were just anticipating the fears you know yeah and even like you know i'm not coming at this with zero savings like i've put squirreled a bit of money away to make sure that i can like sustain myself for a bit which i think is like probably the most useful thing you can do if you want to get into contracting is like make sure you have like a padded account with like enough for you know whatever you're gonna feel comfortable with like six to 12 months basically of like your Mm -hmm. expenses um and so yeah i've made sure to to do that but even so like it just like kind of catches you like your brain just plays tricks on you yeah hey we're screwed (laughs) you're like no we're not we're fine it's like monday man it's coming up and then (laughs) your brain's like no i'm not hearing you i'm just gonna stay up all night thinking about this so i wonder (laughs) i wonder if it's any help to think to come to a decided amount of runway you know what i mean for yourself and then Mm -hmm. like I, I always want to have this amount of runway. Maybe it's slightly less than what you're thinking right now. And then, you know, try to be slightly above that, but that maybe it will give your brain some calm. If you can, you know, just be like, well, like I'm over the runway or I'm at the runway, you know, I have time to build it up again. I know that's what you're already doing, but maybe setting like solid numbers that are supposed to give you that peace of mind could be helpful. Um, and just kind of repeating that to yourself, you know, like uh, my runway's fine or, you know, I'm over mm-hmm. it. Um, because yeah, I mean, there probably will be, if you continue doing this for a long time, there probably will be a few chunks of weeks of time where you might not be working. And so I don't know, you need some, some type of, a some type of something to fall back on in your mind to know that it's going to be okay. For sure. And I guess like part of the goal here is like, what I wasn't sure how I was going to attack this in terms of because I you know contracting is a bit of a means to an end for me to go and eventually work on my own product whatever that will be but like I want to have time to do that and I wasn't sure if I would try and do like side by side like 20 Mm -hmm. hours a week on contracting and then you know uh, 20 or more on on my own thing and um at the way everything's just like shaping out it's like if this contract comes through then i'm basically just like front loading the year trying to get as much as i can out of the way so that maybe i'll just like buy enough time to like only dedicate myself to that for the remainder of the year afterwards uh or you know within a, a few months if i can uh manage so we'll see uh we'll see how it all goes and um so that's kind of like the contracting update. Uh, I also, let's see. Yeah, actually just one other interesting thing here is that I, um, how did this even come about? I shared something on Twitter um, that was like a talk, a microconf uh, YouTube talk by Patty, Patio 11 uh, with Patrick McKenzie uh, about, um, 
it was kind of like your next steps uh, to a startup. And I just shared it. And then someone from uh, Tiny Seed ended up like retweeting it. And I, I just didn't, you know, I didn't know who this person was, but I went and saw, oh, they're in Toronto. Uh, this, oh. uh, yeah, this woman, Tracy Osborne, um, she kind of manages the funding and program for, uh, for Tiny Seed, which is like, associated with microconf uh and so i ended up just asking her randomly like hey uh do you want to grab a coffee uh just like to i don't know one of my goals this month and kind of like ongoing now that i'm like out uh fighting for my own food is just like a like reconnect with old connections more and like grab coffees with them and also just meet some new ones at the Mm -hmm. same time and so yeah uh, she was like super nice and said like yeah let's do it and we ended up meeting up for a coffee earlier this week and you know there was not really an agenda of any like um i don't know anything that had to come out of this it was just like nice to go and like chat with someone about what they're up to and uh it's cool she's like super embedded in the the whole community there and and running a lot of the uh the program for like um this tiny seed which I, i guess i should mention that's like a uh funding for more or less like bootstrapped uh smaller companies they give kind of like you know smaller amounts of funding i'm i'm butchering what this actually is but like maybe instead of going like the vc route or like something like that with like major capital coming in you're you're going to get maybe 100,000 that will like float you for a year while you try and get from like the 5,000 to 10,000 and plus levels of of revenue uh recurring monthly yeah, I think I, f- I don't know if I'm recalling it correctly as well, but I feel like it was more like giving entrepreneurs the opportunity to basically have a salary while they work on, um, you know, their bootstrapped companies. So it's not. Nece- I feel like it wasn't necessarily funding just for the companies, but almost to keep like the entrepreneur themselves afloat so that they could continue working on it, something like that. But I mean, yeah, we should. Do- I should do some more research to understand it fully, but it's it seems like an interesting concept, anyways. Yeah, I know that uh, different uh, founders will use it differently depending. Oh, okay. Like maybe they have another business that can float them or they have enough savings. So they'll put that into growing the business faster mm-hmm. through marketing or things like that. Or yeah, maybe they do just need that money to float them. And so uh, so they'll put it towards that. Uh, yeah, it was really cool catching up with her about some of the challenges that come with that. There's so much that has to be run by... Uh, lawyers on both sides and making sure that um, Mm -hmm. everything meets the kind of uh, like due diligence uh, to make sure that they're um, properly like that they're entering a good relationship that they can both feel confident in. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It was very cool. And um, yeah, originally before this, I was thinking, oh, I want to start a meetup, like an indie hackers meetup, potentially something like mm-hmm. that. And then just through this conversation, uh, I told her that and she's like, oh, you, this guy, Henry is doing that um, in Toronto. And I was like, really? Like, I have not seen anything about it. Uh, and just like, so ended up, she forwarded me the meetup that he's organizing. It's just like hard to find, I guess, like they're not super accessible. So what end, what started off as like, I'm going to start a meetup is now maybe like I've sent him an email and talked to him about potentially collaborating or just attending like one of the, the meetups to, 
you know, see where that goes so that I can get more involved in the local kind of maker community. So yeah, uh, I'd love if you would join for that. If I figure that out. At, oh, I'll hundred uh, percent be there. I was thinking like, I was thinking it would be beneficial if indie hackers themselves actually highlighted like different local meetups and things like that. So it was more easy and accessible because I think, yeah, if you're just, if you're only really able to find it through, I don't know if it's like meetup.com or because you've seen it on Twitter or someone else, it might be hard to actually, you know, find it that those meetups are happening. That's the thing too. I was actually trying to find it on those platforms and having having no luck. Like I saw that there were some past ones, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there was apparently one scheduled for like this coming week, and so I've I've emailed them to ask a bit about it. But kind of oh, okay. like part of what I was thinking was like, well, like maybe I'll just help and get it. Like even just putting up some of the listings so that it is more so that there's some more awareness around it and and that. Uh, that's, that's me. So, um, yeah. How about you? What's going on? Well, um, so I guess I'll start with, um, just regular work things. So I have two more weeks of work left. Um, yeah, it's always tricky closing out a job. Um, I announced to most of the team last week that I was leaving. So that was pretty sad. Um, and then right now, honestly, in terms of the work that I'm doing, it's a lot of documentation. Luckily we kind of wrapped up like a pretty large documentation project recently. So a lot of the core things are kind of already in place, but I'm doing some more documentation just kind of around recommendations for areas that should probably be like automated or rebuilt or reconsidered um, just to make some things a little bit more um, efficient. So just kind of trying to guide like leadership in the direction of maybe some like low hanging fruit. That's going to be the most impactful, um, because they don't really have a person focusing on it, um, full time anymore. And then this week I'm also covering a vacation. So it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be a hectic last couple weeks, but, um, I think it'll all be fine. I'm, I'm very excited to start a new role. So, um, yeah, I'm not doing too much in the way of like gearing up for that, but I think more just mentally preparing that it's going to be a big shift to be in an office with so many people um, again. So I think that it's probably going to be pretty mentally exhausting for the first few weeks, but um, it's exactly what I wanted. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm just trying to be mindful that I think it's going to be a big shift going from being alone basically all day, every day to being in conversations with people all day, every day. So yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um and then um, some other things. So this weekend, yesterday, I did an ultra working session, which I mentioned. I went into it probably more ambitiously than I thought, but I I know I've said it before, but I absolutely love ultra working. I feel like it really helps me just kind of buckle down and get a bunch of work done. So I wanted to work on a client project that I'm working on, some stuff for our podcast and Spanish, which was way too over ambitious. So I, I got through a bunch of stuff for a client project that I'm doing, which... I don't know. I feel pretty proud of it. Um, as you know, I'm not a developer, but like I dabble in different things. So, um, we were able to set up like, um, a pretty cool automation from Salesforce to Jira. So they have a pretty standard workflow in terms of when they close sales and then what kind of the different tasks that account management, um, needs to do. So I, Mm -hmm. I spent a bunch of time yesterday kind of just like learning how to set up different apex triggers in Salesforce and how you write tests on those and how you like, can run them in the test environment and then deploy them to production. So that was a big learning curve for me, but I got it working. So I'm super happy. No, that's um, super cool. 
Yeah. I initially thought when I looked at it, I was like, mm, I might need to hire someone or get one of their implementation specialists to do it because I've just never done it. So I was, yeah, it was really fun just to kind of sit down and learn it and figure it out. Um, so basically kind of the way that it works is when they close a sale in Salesforce, it triggers kind of the creation of, um, depending on different fields that they set in Salesforce, like whether that's like the priority of the project or different due dates or just different portions of the project that are required. It then kind of uh, automates the creation of all of these different tasks and assignments and due dates in Jira um, for their account Is managers. That true, like webhooks that kind of get fired off then or like... So it's, it's actually like... Um, it's interesting because I feel like this kind of speaks to a lot of uh, a lot of people who make the case for like different like no code projects and things like that. There's basically mm -hmm. two different um, products that I'm using to kind of make this happen. So um, there's one add on to Salesforce, which basically allows you to, let's say, manually create um issues from Salesforce to Jira. And then basically the the portion on, on top of that, where I was just talking about doing the apex triggers and stuff, that's basically just automating it. So, um, when you take a certain action in, in Salesforce, it automates that manual process of the task creation. And then the other portion of it is actually like just an add on to Jira that is kind of like an, if this, then that type of program for Jira. So basically when it receives that incoming task, it, it just kind of executes different workflows based on the information in that task. Yeah, that that's really cool. I've, uh, yeah, I think it's so cool what the, this whole, I mean, like you're saying no code and like what Zapier and all, if this, then that allow you to do like uh, there have been, I've used it for some of just my home automation too, in uh, setting a few things up because like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to have to go and write some uh, like server that's going to go and sit up there and like wait for these things to, to fire off. And like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I love the kind of, abstraction that's been put up around that and uh, i was listening to um like one of the later indie hackers i think it's the latest indie hackers episode was with vlad i believe is his name the guy who um co-founded webflow uh yep. yeah and like it he has such an interesting story uh and it really is i don't know it's it really gives you a lot more when you hear the context of where these people came from uh and because so many people can like cast shade on these types of platforms, you know, but when you hear it from him of just like, you know, we're not trying to replace developers. Like the, we're only going to need more developers as we get more and more apps going and built even on no code. Like it's just mm -hmm. going to like, kind of like raise the tides, like, I don't know, for, for all boats or whatever the expression is. <laughs> and, uh, it was really cool to hear him talking about that. I, I, I quite, um, I don't know. I quite like it. What's what's happening with this? It takes yeah, a lot of the weight off developers to like go and make all these custom in integrations. Well, and I think it gives them the opportunity to build products that people can use. So different solutions are actually more accessible to more people. Because when I look at even what I'm doing right now, like if you were to build out a fully custom solution to do this, it would cost so much money, right? And mm -hmm. I mean, probably in total, I've spent like less than 20 hours setting this up. Right. And so it might just be a first step into a fully custom solution that they might do in the future, but at least it's like a cheaper prototype, you know, for them to like, there are some, some boundaries around it, some things that you can't do because we're using, um, you know, different, 
different existing products, but at least it, it allows them to get a feel for, you know, what it is that they want. If certain parts are working, if certain parts are not, and then they can mm-hmm. decide if it's worth the value for them to actually like do some type of a custom solution or not, which I wouldn't be the person that would do that, but it's nice to just be able to set up kind of like the, the version one of it, I guess. You could have a killer contracting assignment doing stuff like this. If you got really good with the integration side of things and just like understanding how to connect all these through, you know, a bit of code, a bit of no code and all this, like, like, I feel like if you spend enough time with them, you can really just make some some magic happen for companies and like deliver a ton of value. So like really you could Mm -hmm. charge like pretty high rates for what may only take a few hours, but like would other people just wouldn't know that they have the access to those resources. And so it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, and that would just be so like rewarding to even be helping companies in like, I I love integrations. Like anytime I've done any of our like, build and testing environments and getting it so that you push the code and it just automatically deploys to production and no one has to think about this thing again and it just Mm -hmm. like kind of works and and it's like when people are not even it's kind of this behind the scenes stuff that like if people aren't talking about it you're doing a good job because as soon as they're talking about it it means like something's broken in there but for sure so i'm thankful with this project that it kind of it came to me through someone else um and he's somebody that we've both worked with in the past um Mm -hmm. but he has a lot of connections to different companies that he works with so he is very much like wants to resell this solution over and over and over again to all of his his different clients who use these products um and basically yeah it's exactly what you said it's a great situation i'm sure we'll find like a reasonable way to like split whatever it is that um this solution will cost but now Mm -hmm. that i know how to do it it's it's really not like a complicated thing to set up but it does stand to deliver like a big chunk of value for um yeah these customers i think it's a great little project set up to do for people that yeah, it's just like they probably just don't have the right people in place to be thinking about it like this or to be setting it up. So I'm I'm looking forward to what that might turn into, even if it's kind of like, a, I don't know, over the next six months to just tackle that for some clients. Yeah, it sounds also just like because one of the things that I think I've mentioned before is like I've struggled with the like hourly versus value based pricing. And this just seems like a perfect contender for more value base, even though you're working with someone else. Like if you guys can figure out a good arrangement for what the services will like approximately cost a client and like how you guys will split that, like because it's uh, something that you're only going to get like faster and faster with it and Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to deliver more and more value over time Yeah, that you like if you were to charge hourly you're just going to like end up like it's not going to make it worth it for you uh, in the long run yeah even doing this for my first time when I look at the amount of hours that I've spent and what that equates to for a dollar value it's undervaluing the impact of the solution do you know what I mean so it it doesn't make sense to do it hourly especially because yeah, it's like a it's like a one time thing. The only I mean, I feel like it should just be a standard setup cost, and then if they need like maintenance adjustments, whatever it is, an hourly cost. But I also really don't want to get into the cycle of doing like maintenance and stuff for people. Um, but since it's since it is so user friendly, it's the type of thing that once it's set up, there's generally going to be one or two people in the company or on their team that would be able to figure out how to make those adjustments. So that's the great part about it, actually. Yeah, like maybe the service is like I provide this for you know, for an integration, if you, you charge more based on like X 
additional inf- um, integrations, you know, because maybe it's like the service triggers this and that and that yeah. and like, you know, that ends up getting more complex. But and then you also hand off some documentation or something. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's honestly like, yeah, probably a great way that um, if you wanted to transition over, like there's probably so much need for this type of work. And like once you're done uh, with full time stuff, which will happen, <laughs> then mm-hmm. you, you'll probably uh be able to to kind of make it doing some stuff like this if that's of interest to you. Yeah, yeah for sure. And then, um, yeah, I think in that similar realm, like, I don't know, I've I found that kind of when I'm able to like sit down and do like, you know, whether it's like doing like courses where I'm, I'm learning some JavaScript right now or like doing this where I have the opportunity to learn like t- different things kind of in the more coding realm, like I'm absolutely loving it. Um, and so um, it's just like one of those types of tasks for me that I can just sit down and like lose myself in, which is definitely a different um uh, it's a different style of work than what I do generally in my day jobs. I have tasks that are like that, but, um, a lot, a lot of what I do is working one-on-one with, with humans, which I also love, but it's just, they're, they're different. They're different mindsets for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and this next statement is going to sound super sketchy, but I met this group of people on Facebook and, <laughs> and <laughs> no, I, um, oh, I Diego used to tell me about this. Oh, he told you, you that? <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear, I... I didn't hear the story. I just, or maybe it was you, but I remember just being like, I met some people on Facebook. Don't worry. It's okay. I think I was with Diego. <laughs> I, was like, I think you were with like, him and I was oh, on the God. phone with him. So I used to, maybe you've heard <laughs> of the site, uh, free code camp. So maybe like, a yeah, they have yeah. like a, so they have different chapter Facebook groups and, and I've been part of the Toronto one for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've gone to a few like code and coffee things like a few years ago but it was it felt very exclusive it was like everybody who was there was much more experienced than me they didn't really interact with me it was just like it didn't it didn't feel like a very welcoming environment and then they kind of stopped doing meetups for probably um i don't know i haven't seen any come up for a year or if or maybe once every six months there is one and then there was kind of this guy who started posting and he's maybe not super experienced but was looking to kind of you know get it started back up Um, and then kind of just the crowd of people who are commenting were people that were maybe more like maybe more advanced than me, but not, you know, super experienced people that are, I don't know, just going to go there and be exclusive, hopefully. So they're starting to do kind of these meetups on Saturdays. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of just having like a place and time to, uh, like go and sit down and concentrate on something and hopefully connect with people that are maybe in a a similar stage that I am of just doing some self-learning and side projects and things like that. I love that. And yeah, you bring up an interesting point that, um, of just like the culture that surrounds these meetups and you know, any events like, like this, I was listening to an episode of startups for the rest of us recently. I was kind of going through their whole back catalog and, um, yeah, I don't know. So the episode specifically was more on like uh, race and gender within um, events and like how. Um, so they were talking specifically about microconf um, mm-hmm. and how, yeah, it's like predominantly white males and um, and like, I don't know that how that can be kind of like a, a scary thing for women to come into or people of color to come into and kind of like what they were saying is like well like we don't ask specifically when you're buying a ticket like are you black are you a woman are you like a underrepresented you know and they're like because we don't feel that's 
important like and i'm like okay i i understand that mentality but then there was like the other side of the coin which was kind of like well if you don't ask then like you're you're not going to know how like you're never going to make it better if there is a Mm -hmm. problem there and so uh yeah it was just a really interesting episode on it but also just goes to speak to like you need to be intentional with the culture that you are creating through this and um Mm -hmm. You know, because I've been thinking about like that indie hackers meetup in Toronto. Like if I were to start something, looks like there already is one, but it would have been, you know, very important to kind of establish like a kind of like set of guidelines. We are inclusive. We make sure to, you know, uh, embrace others' opinions and things like that. I I think it's just like a very... uh, if you don't think about it, whether you're building a company or a meetup or an event or something, if you don't think about it early, then it can just develop into this naturally toxic culture. And yeah. so it's cool I to agree. hear that I think this is better. I um, One cool thing that I saw, which I think parts of it I approved of and parts of it I didn't was um, if you remember, there was a conference collision conference here in the summer, which was like a tech conference, but not a developer conference, but like yeah. featuring a lot of tech companies and Toronto uh, startups and companies at different stages. And I one thing that like mostly are like none of our developers went. it was only our marketing team like that yeah. really went to that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like definitely, well, I mean, so I was they have running like celebrities talking and stuff, you know, it's like, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, you're, you're totally right. I actually, I didn't go, I didn't actually see any talks or anything like that. I was running a booth because, um, for the startup that I'm working at, um, which it it was a, it was a great experience, honestly, um, exhausting running a booth, but, um, met so many people. So it was great. Um, but yeah, a lot of investors, some developers, not a lot, not a lot of developers though. Um, anyways, point being for the, the ticket structure, they had kind of this whole initiative because they wanted to create more gender parity in the, in the event. So basically if you were female identifying, um, what they did was they basically were like, um, refer three other female identifying individuals. They don't have to buy tickets, just send them a referral. And then basically they gave you two tickets for maybe $50, like $50 Mm -hmm. for two tickets. And the regular ticket price was something like $500. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting initiative to get more, um, women in the building, which I think is super important because it's easy to say, like, we just like, it's, we don't like ask those questions because it's like, it doesn't matter to us, but it should matter because I think that we should be kind of of the opinion that, you know, we create better events. We create better teams by having a diversity of people, gender, Mm -hmm. race, orientation, all of these things. And so if you know that by default, your event is not going to, um, is not going to be like the type of event that will naturally create that, which is the case for a lot of tech events, then like, what are you going to do to create a better environment? Because if you truly believe that like, um, uh, uh, like a multi, uh, like, like having an event where people come from like a multitude of different backgrounds is important, then you'll do these things. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. The only part that I thought was weird about it, I understood why they did it, where they were like, you have to give referrals. I think that some people were put off by it because it's, it's the kind of structure where you're like, 
we'll help you if you're a woman, but like do some work for us, you know, which is just like, I know it's not that big of a deal, but like the structure of it still like is a slightly problematic. So it was I think re- they should- it was required. It was, yeah, it was yeah, required. It should have probably been like, Hey, if you want Optional. to like, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. And it's yeah. like to an extent, I understand that basically they're just trying to expand the reach of getting more women in the door. So for that reason, I was fine with it. But at the same time, I could understand why people were like, why do I have to do work for you? <laughs> like, which it, obviously yeah, it's not that much work. Your- your outreach you, yeah. job as a yeah. as an event planner. Um, so I mean, I think they might have got some like opinions back on that, but I don't really know, you know, where mm-hmm. where that netted out or if they'll do it again. But I mean, it, it in a certain sense, like it was a it was effective. I had people who I referred go to the conference, and then I gave my extra ticket to someone as well. So I mean, that act in and of itself got many more women in the door who probably wouldn't have gone to that conference at all. Yeah. I I think it's a fine line of like what you sh- like it's so hard to do to put actions into this space that won't be received even the wrong way like yeah. even just uh speaking about it you know can be uncomfortable and hard because we're you know not sure the right things to say or you're not sure the right actions to take and uh people tried carefully sometimes across this subject because they don't want to step on toes and uh you know i'm yeah sure i'm guilty of this myself so it's just like but uh you know it it is good just to see that like it's being thought of and then you put it out there receive feedback and think of Mm -hmm. it as an ongoing back and forth conversation of like how we can keep this improving as opposed to like this is an initiative and here's how we're going to do it like you know that's like not really um an empathetic way to to deliver a solution like this it's more like yeah let's try this what do you think of this and maybe next year we do it differently because we receive feedback so um totally that's why i think it's like important to recognize that it was it seemed like a big step in the right direction because I think as an individual, as a company, it needs, it's, it's a situation of, you know, we're doing our best uh, and then just being super open to feedback. When you get something wrong, you say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing. I think like the biggest thing to do in that moment is just not be uh, defensive about it. It's just like, this was our intention. We didn't understand that, you know, maybe X, Y, Z would be taken this way. And therefore we're either going to do this or we're not going to do something or whatever it is. Um, I think it's when like companies and individuals kind of get their backup and are not empathetic to other people's experiences is when you kind of get into trouble. But I understand what you mean about it. A lot of people want to tread lightly around these subjects because they're afraid of like saying and doing the wrong thing. I also just on the other side of it is like, I was speaking to someone who, and it was because it resonated with a point uh, that I heard in that podcast in the startups for the rest of us, which like um, she was saying kind of like one thing that we as like, you know, feminists and like people trying to advance this, like, um, I don't know, like, I I don't even know how to say, but like as people who hold these beliefs, like what we can do better is just not um, like it's not black and white in terms of like Mm -hmm. if someone has a bias or an opinion that they hold now and they're defending it like we can't just immediately like write that person off it it can be like this back and forth conversation going back to what we're saying and i was talking with someone 
recently and they were just like i'm guilty of like you know writing a person off like they literally said this of just like you know i've already written that person off as like kind of a anti-feminist like doesn't believe in women's rights because we because of this thing that they've said and they just like paint them as you know paint them as this um that type of person now versus like you know maybe over time we'll be able to change that so i think that's something that everyone can do as well is just like yeah companies will fuck up people will fuck up part of my language um but like being able to like recognize that we can like move the needle one bit at a time and like revisit those conversations and maybe start uh as long as people are like open to listening to each other on it maybe we finally come to some agreement and that's kind of what, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just an interesting thought, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, And I think just over time, I've appreciated that. Um, I've had the opportunity to, to like work alongside a lot of people in the technology space that fit the general stereotype of like white males, but that, I've had the opportunity to work alongside a lot of them that are very cognizant of these things. You know, how are we including minorities? How are we including female identifying people? How are we including people living with disability? You know, um, it's, it's nice. I'm very thankful that I had the opportunity to work alongside people, especially men who have been, um, very supportive in these areas because I think that a lot of people don't have that experience. Um, so I just hope that like, you know, um, we we find more and more people like stepping up and being vocal about including others. That's all. Yeah, that's cool. This was a interesting kind of tangent that we yeah. went on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think else? I have. Yeah. No, I don't have anything else too big going on. Um, this this year is the year of thirtieth uh, birthdays for all of my friends. So I kicked it off with the first my friends are going big for the 30th. So, uh, went to the first, I'm going to call it an event last night. It was super fun. Uh, my friends from university work across like a very diverse range of like jobs. Um, people have very diverse interests, different people own their own businesses, which are doing really well. So yeah, it's like super nice to actually have these opportunities to reconnect with people working in different industries and just hearing more about what they're doing. I got into like a rather like deep conversation about with one of my friends last night who runs like a, a very successful business at this point. Um, and just kind of like hearing more about his experience and his journey and just digging into like where he's at right now is very inspiring to, you know, hopefully start going in that direction. Um, yeah. So I think you make a good point about like trying to connect with others in general, but also just trying to connect with people who are, you know, maybe where you're heading toward um, and can provide some like inspiration and insight in that direction. So I want to be more mindful of kind of taking the time to spend time with people who um, I look up to or that I'm kind of um, aiming toward being more like. Yeah. And otherwise, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it for kind of, kind of my week. I'm just, uh, after this, I got Spanish lessons and then uh, that's my weekend. Ah, Spanish lessons. Yeah. In terms of um, show notes and where you can find us, uh, you guys can, <laughs> I'll just do this one on my own. You guys can find us at workpalspodcast.com or on Twitter at workpals. All right. Thanks. See ya. Thanks. Bye.